and welcome to the Herb Digest podcast. I'm William Law, editor of the Digest, and my guest is Lina El-Hathloul, whose sister is the jailed Saudi women's rights activist, Lujain El-Hathloul. Lina, thank you for coming on the Herb Digest podcast. Thank you very much, Bill, for having me. It was announced uh, earlier in the week that Lujain is one of three finalists for the Martin Ennels Award for Human Rights Defenders. What does this mean for you, for your family, and, and most importantly for Lujain? It means so much, actually, for us. Um, international recognition and recognition of her fights and sacrifices is really, really important for us. When uh, our own country has been labeling her a traitor for her fights for human rights, um, the only thing that uh, can save her and can uh, keep us um, going with uh, us fighting for her is international recognition. So I really thank the Martin Annals um, Award and everyone who has been campaigning for her release as well. She was sentenced on the 28th of December last year to nearly six years. Remind us what the charges are that she was convicted on and what do you make of those charges? Yeah, I mean, um, I really have to explain everything from the beginning. So when she got arrested at first, she didn't have any official charges. Uh, and the only thing that we, we knew was what the Saudi newspaper was saying. And Saudi newspaper was saying that she was a spy, a foreign agent, uh, that she was um, uh, basically trying to destabilize the country. And for 10, uh, 10 months, she didn't have any official charges. And even the government itself, so MBS in an interview in 2018 when she got arrested, he was saying that she's a spy and a foreign agent and that he had evidence of that and that he had videos that he could show the day after the, the interview. And then after 10 months, um, the court called Lujain and gave her the charges uh, finally. And uh, it was really surprising for all of us to see that um, nothing was mentioning her being a spy or a traitor or anything. And they were really explicitly accusing her of her activism. And um, we have published uh, the charges uh, finally on our website and everyone can go and read them. She's really accused of campaigning for women's rights in Saudi Arabia, for uh, participating to international conferences, um, at the UN, for applying for a job at the UN, uh, for being in contact with journalists, with Amnesty International. So really, all her activism uh, are in her charges. And um, now that she has been sentenced in the specialized uh, court, which is the terrorism court, for her activism, what we can make, um, the conclusion we can make is that now Saudi Arabia basically considers activism as terrorism. And, and Mohammed bin Salman, MBS, that video that he promised never, never arrived, did it? The the video that he promised never arrived. And even worse than this, um, when we uh, we also published this, when you see the evidence the public prosecutor gives of Lujain's accusations, it's really her tweets where she explicitly compla- um, co- complains about the human rights situation in Saudi Arabia. There are re- uh, recordings of her um, talking about the women's uh, rights situation in Saudi Arabia at international conferences. And that's the, the evidence they gave. And they, 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 they're explicitly saying black on white that um, these are evidence of being a terrorist and it's uh, just mind-blowing for us to see that now they can even publicly uh, show that uh, they don't want anyone basically to be an activist in Saudi Arabia and to, and to ask for any reform. Lujain, tell us a little bit about her, uh, the sort of person she is. <laughs> I mean, um, Lujain, before being an activist, she's my sister. Um, 
she's my best friend she's my confidant and um she's really um a ray of sunshine for uh, the family she's the one that really puts uh, so much joy in our lives and uh, we miss her so much um our whatsapp group is so empty without her she's really um she you know she's always the one who cheers everyone up and even behind bars i must say you know she we're not the ones it's not because she knows that we are here for her that she's so strong even in prison we're so strong because she's still strong behind bars and we we get our strength from her uh, strength and she's um a very genuine uh, person she's selfless and um she believes um she fights for what she believes in she's a very honest person truthful and um yes she's uh, just uh, one of the strongest women i've ever met in my life and um i think that uh, it's a duty for everyone now to to fight for her now that she has um put her life in danger for the for her own people in saudi arabia now she's been a campaigner for for some time but I'm just wondering if we go back to I believe it was December 2014 when she was uh, first arrested were you surprised when she took on her campaign for women's rights in Saudi Arabia I must say I was um, quite young at that time but uh, honestly I wasn't surprised at all you know she she's always been someone who who questions everything she's uh, even in the family you know she she or she questions the the family's rules uh, every time we I wasn't allowed to do something she would be the one asking my parents why um for example you know I've always wanted to to do boxing in Saudi Arabia and um, I couldn't because I was a, a girl that's what my parents would say and she questions actually my parents and said well, what does it mean to be a girl and what does it change and at the end they allowed me because they didn't have any um rational answers to her questions and you know she's she's always been someone who questions everything and she's not scared to question uh, uh, things and she's a pioneer in everything she does i mean she even before the the women to drive campaign she was the president of the um, Uh, Arab students in her university in Canada so she she's always been someone who who wants to make change so i wasn't really surprised um when she she she, she started her campaign in 2014 i wasn't surprised either that she got arrested um and i was um, proud of her proud because of the courage because of the determination to question authority and to fight for what's right Absolutely I mean especially given that in Saudi Arabia women didn't have really an identity before Lujaina would say you know people uh, women who who wanted to make change would usually do it without um giving their names publicly without showing their faces and she was really one of the first Saudi women who would say I'm a woman I can say it I can show it and I will use the privilege I I have of be of having a family that's not too oppressive to make this change so for me of, of course it was um pri- I was proud of her being so strong being so resilient and being um so brave Can you tell me a little bit about the impact on her but you and and, and the family I mean, she, she was tortured this must be so hard for all of you I will talk about the torture just after this but I must say it's not only about her physical torture that's really the um, the, the worst we've uh, we, we've lived but every 
the everyday life of my family in Saudi Arabia is hell actually when she got arrested they put the whole family on a travel ban so they cannot leave Saudi Arabia and then when they started their defamation campaign um, my parents really felt isolated in Saudi Arabia because um, it was really taboo to speak about um, Lujain to speak to the family of Lujain um, so my parents they they live in an everyday fear uh they, they they're always scared that the state security might um bro- break into our house again that they might take them um and that the the travel ban is illegal so they always question uh, why they're on a travel ban because what we see is that the modus operandi of Saudi Arabia is that they put someone on a travel ban and sometime later they they arrest them so my parents are just um, very scared every day that they they might get arrested. And then, yes, um, when we found out about the the, the torture, that was, um, um, I cannot even describe it with words, what we felt. We couldn't believe it at first, honestly. Me abroad, I hadn't seen my sister. And when I got the message from my parents, I was um, shocked, I must say. The, my parents said that first when they saw her that she was um, um, t- so they saw her in August the first time August 2018 and she got arrested in May 2018 so it was quite m- months later and um, when they saw her first they saw that uh, when she came into the room to see them she was uh, shaking uh, uncontrollably uh, she could barely sit uh, on the chair she would um, show pain when she would sit uh, um, on, on that chair and that when she was trying to drink she couldn't even um, hold the, the glass she had red marks on her on her neck and her eyes were um, frightened basically and uh, she wouldn't say anything at the beginning and she would always say yeah sometimes the air conditioning is too cold sometimes I'm deprived of sleep because of the interrogations but she didn't say anything about the torture but I remember my mom, the first time uh, she, they saw her and I called her, um, I couldn't even speak to her because she had lost her voice after seeing her daughter in this, um, like this. And I questioned her and she couldn't say, tell me anything. Um, my dad just told me that she didn't look too healthy, but without any details. And then uh, starting um, from August till uh, December, they had one visit per month. And so visit after visit, they wouldn't say anything. They would again tell us that she, she has some bruises, some marks, that she looks weak. But then um, after, you know, uh, the Khashoggi the case, um, the Khashoggi murder and um, the Ritz-Carlton cases, we, we, we read reports about torture and um, we said, OK, it, it cannot be that Lujain looks like this and didn't uh, live uh, everything uh, the, the other detainees who were living. Um, so they, they told uh, during the, the, the November visit or uh, end of October, they told Lujain, look, we have read um, reports uh, regarding the torture in, in some unofficial prisons because Lujain was in the unofficial prison before the official visits. Um, we know there are some tortures in, in prison. Can you please just tell us the truth? Because we cannot help you if you don't say anything. And after this, um, she collapsed in tears and she told them that um, her, her, her shaking was because of electrocution during these months in the unofficial prison, that she was being flogged, um, sexually abused 
waterboarded and that um, she was put in an unofficial prison that was a torture center in the basement of what she used to call a palace or sometimes a, a hotel or a private uh, house. And um, visit after visit, she started giving more details. Um, and at some point, she even told them, told my parents, that um, one of the people uh, who was there with the, 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 the torture team was Suhud al-Qahtani, who is or was, uh, we don't really know, uh, MBS's right-hand man. Um, and so the, the government is directly involved in my sister's torture. And this was so scary for us because we felt really vulnerable and very uh, little um, to have Saudi Arabia's government being involved in our own sister's torture. We, we felt like we, we couldn't even do something about it because, you know, if we, we say anything, then maybe her faith will be Khashoggi's faith. Um, so, of course, it was really scary for us. We didn't know if we, we, we should talk about it. Um, and at the end, we decided to talk because it's either uh, we stay silent and she could be killed or we take the risk of, uh, of speaking up and uh, making it public and to, to raise awareness and to start uh, pressuring the Saudi government for her release. And Saad al-Qahtani, of course, uh, very heavily implicated in the murder of Jamal Hashoshi. It, it, it's, such a, it's such a terrible and frightening situation for all of you. The Saudi foreign minister, Prince Faisal bin Farhan al-Saud, he was recently asked about Lujain's case, and he said uh, this, uh, quote, it was related to national security, and that he has, quote, absolute faith in our courts. We have an independent judiciary. I'm just wondering what you think about those statements from the uh, Saudi foreign minister. Uh, these statements about the um, about my sister from the the foreign ministry of Saudi Arabia and from MBS himself are so absurd. In in two thousand eighteen, MBS explicitly says that my sister is a spy and that he has evidence. A year later, after all the pressure and of all the the media talking about it, in two thousand nineteen, he has another interview, um, and they ask him this same question: What about Lujain? And then he says, ah, no, he has nothing to do with the case. It's up to the public prosecutor to deal with the case. So how can he uh, first um, be directly involved in my sister's case and say that he has evidence of her being a spy a year um, earlier and then say, ah, no, he has nothing to do with the case? So we clearly see that the government is dire directly involved in this case and that uh, the judiciary is really not independent. We see that um, the, the foreign minister says that she's um, charged um, for being a, a spy and uh, for being in contact with the foreign entities. Interesting. What's interesting to see is that uh, before we made the, the, the charges public, uh, the, 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 in the normal criminal court, so she's, she was first tried in the normal criminal court. The charges were uh, everything I said, so um, being in contact with journalists, uh, participating to international conferences um, to speak about the human rights situation in Saudi Arabia, but also of being in contact with diplomats that they explicitly cited the UK, the Netherlands and the EU. And we thought that was so absurd because they say that she's in contact with enemy states. So did they consider the UK, the EU and the Netherlands to be enemy states? I mean, and so we made it public. And I think they they got embarrassed of, uh, of this. So when they transferred her to the specialized court, which is the, the terrorism court, 
they removed the three uh, countries they, they've stated uh, without even notifying Lujain. So they just gave her the charges saying it's exactly the same charges, but because the normal criminal court doesn't have jurisdiction, um, you will be tried in this court. And then we realized that they removed these three countries. So it's even more absurd now that they're just accusing her of being in contact with enemy states without even citing them. We don't know who they're talking about. So when we say that the judiciary is independent, no, it's not. And it's not, it's not even a secret, you know. Um, the public prosecutor, when Lujane first um, was allowed to, to make a complaint um, uh, uh, regarding the torture, the public prosecutor denied it without even uh, having an investigation. And um, a couple of weeks ago, the, the judge finally asked the public prosecutor to start an investigation regarding Lujain's torture, and he denied it again. But how can the judge ask for an investigation to the same prosecutor who has denied it uh, a year ago without even an investigation? So basically what I want to say is that the whole case is uh, illegal, the whole case is p politicized, the whole case is um, unfair and unjust, and um, um, I don't think anyone can believe the government's lies anymore. And your women have made progress in the kingdom under Mohammed bin Salman and his vision 2030. But still, the authorities have continued to persecute Lujain and other activists. Why do you think that is? Um, my first question is, uh, what kind of uh, progress uh, has been made in Saudi Arabia regarding uh, women's rights? Uh, to be honest, I will say that the only uh, true and genuine and, um, yes, uh, the, the, the true reform is women driving. And that's because uh, Saudi men and women have been campaigning for it for years. And that uh, with all the pressure and all this, the majority of the Saudi people uh, agreeing that it's uh, something that should be done, the government had to do it. And MBS only took the credit for uh, all the activism um, these people have made during all these years, and now he imprisoned them also. But what we see in, in, in Western media uh, regarding the progress is always something that is not... Um, deeply research i would say because for example they they they've made um they, they've applauded uh, the the decision allowing uh, women to travel without the consent of their male guardian but they don't dig uh, deeply enough because okay now uh, women don't have to have the consent to travel but the male guardian can still file a complaint to the police uh, if the, his daughter or wife travels without his consent because he can say that she disobeyed she based on the disobedience law she she disobedient him or she disappeared so all the freedoms that have been given are always countered with a new law that allows the male guardian to veto these freedoms so it's uh, having two saudi arabias um having new laws for the West, for the media to talk, the Western media to talk about it, but at the same time um, countering them with new laws inside of the country that the, that the women suffer from. So really, all, honestly, all, uh, I'm not exaggerating, all the reforms that have been made are always countered so that women don't get their full freedoms. Mm. You wonder what, uh, what the authorities and MBS are afraid of. 
<laughs> they're only afraid to lose their power. Uh, it's only about, uh, I mean, MBS is not even legitimate in his own family. He basically did a coup, right? Um, he, he didn't take uh, power softly. He, he, he wasn't given power. He took it from his uncle. So I think that he knows he, he can lose his power anytime. And he, and he's scared of everything, of every voice that can, that, that can bring him down. There are strong indications now that President Biden will declassify the intelligence report on the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, and he's also referred to the Saudi authorities as pariahs. Are you hoping that U.S. will bring pressure to bear on Lujain's case as well? Of course, I'm hoping it. I mean, um, MBS is, a, again, it's not a secret that he was... Um, able to do all these crimes, to kill Khashoggi, to, to torture my sister, to imprison all the other activists, because the, uh, the, the American administration was silent about it. Uh, Trump himself said it, that he, was, uh, that he saved him. So um, I think and I hope that the Biden administration can change things. We have seen it with my sister's sentencing. Biden's national security advisor condemned it, and he said that Lujain should be free, and uh, that he promised that um, human rights will be at the core of uh, its relation uh, with Saudi Arabia, and I hope that this will be the case. I want to ask you, too, about the UK's role, what sort of support Lujain's has received, either from the current uh, British uh, Foreign Secretary, Dominic Raab, or his predecessors among than the current Prime Minister, Boris Johnson. The, the UK is, is directly involved with my sister's case. They were explicitly um, mentioned in Lujain's charges. Um, the, the UK should have been more clear and more loud with Saudi Arabia that um, being in contact with them is not a crime, that they're allies and um, that they should have condemned it. They have not, at least not on a high level. And I think that if the UK um, would have said something, I think it would uh, have been um, easier for us to campaign for Lujain's release. And I think that now the UK has a duty to uh, be with Lujain and to, to condemn her sentencing. And I must say, um, I have been campaigning for Lujain's um, release for nearly three years now. And one thing I'm sure of is every, every voice counts. Um, every time we have one more voice, the Saudi government feels more pressured. And the only thing that we see that uh, changes things and that uh, saves um, uh, political prisoners is uh, pressure. So people really have to speak up and not be scared. Silence can kill people inside of prisons. And the UK is an important voice in that uh, campaign, a voice to be heard that needs to be heard, you're saying? Of course, I mean, the UK and um, the US and the Saudi Arabia's biggest allies have a duty and uh, they have leverage over Saudi Arabia and that they should use this leverage to impose and to urge for the release of political prisoners. For Lujain, for you and your family, what is justice uh, for your sister? For my sister, justice is unconditional release because now they said that they might release her in February, but with a travel ban of five years and for a, with a probation of three years. So unconditional release is the only thing that can bring justice to my sister and a real investigation regarding her torture. Also, um, we, we will probably um, 
try to try the, the, the people who have tortured her and without Saud al-Qahtani and um, everyone who has uh, been involved in her illegal unjust arrest and torture, the, 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 there won't be justice. So we, we need her to be unconditionally released and for the people who have, been, who have tortured her to be sentenced. What do you say to those people, you know, the sports people, the entertainers, uh, that go to Saudi Arabia, that be- engage in various activities? What do you say to those people? Um, I tell them, I know it's very difficult for them to realize that their, uh, their job, basically, can be uh, used by dictators to, to hide their crimes. But I want to tell them that their voice counts and that they're, they're being used uh, by dictators because when they go to countries such as Saudi Arabia, then it gives uh, an international image to that regime that it's open, that it's... Um, accepted uh, by the world, that they share the same values. So their very presence in these kind of countries uh, empowers uh, dictators. And I want to tell them that, um, okay, maybe if they don't want to boycott, at least they they should speak out and say something to these um, regimes and say that their their presence there is not to legitimize their regimes, but to, to, to make sports. So they have to... Uh, you know, just a hashtag, uh, free Lujain, uh, stand with Saudi heroes, stop um, repression, anything, any word, just to say that their presence there is not to uh, whitewash um, the regime's crimes in which um, they, they go to race or to do the, their competitions. You are outside Saudi Arabia now. You can't go back at this point, can you? That must be difficult. So um, I must say, I I think they would love me to to go back. I'm not uh, banned from going back inside of the country, but I'm most probably on a travel ban as well. And this I cannot be sure of because the travel ban imposed on my family is not is not legal. So there is no not even evidence of that. It's just when they try to leave the country um, at the borders, they say that, that they're on a travel ban. So if I go back, I probably cannot leave it. And um, I mean, we we have been harassed in so many different ways. I've been threatened um, on social media mostly. But what we can see is, for example, my brother who's in Canada, the, the Saudi embassy doesn't want to renew his passport. They're telling him that he has to go to the embassy to renew his passport. And my brother said, but the lo- legal procedure is everything is done online. Why do I have to go to the embassy? So we see that they're really trying to... To, to, to scare us and to intimidate us, uh, even abroad. And of course, it's really hard for us. Uh, we haven't seen our family in, in three years. Uh, I miss my mom, I miss my dad, and of course, I miss my sister, Lujain. But I'd rather stay here and be safe and be their voice um, as long as I can, as long as I'm safe, and not go back and take the risk to, to, to stay there. Now, Lena, for people listening to this podcast, and I know deep, deeply moved by the the struggle and the courage that that Jane's showing, that the whole family is showing. How can people support your your struggle and the struggle of the family? Is is there a site they can go to? Yes, so we have launched uh, an official website that is www.lujainalhadrul.org. And um, uh, there's a a page, um, how can you you help? 
And basically, I want to say more than this page. I think that the most important thing is not to legitimize the Saudi regime and tell them that we know, everyone knows what they're doing. And every time Saudi Arabia comes in in a discussion, every time they try to to impose themselves like the like like reformers, like a new country, like uh, someone uh, uh, like a country who wants to open up, tell them no, we we won't believe you, we won't participate, we won't go to your concerts, we we won't do anything that. Um, can make you think we, we, we believe you because Lujain is in prison. Free her first. Free all the activists. Give them real rights. Institutionalize your, your reforms. Make them structured. Um, and um, as long as uh, the country is still a police state, we won't believe any of the reforms you're trying to brag about. Lena, I wish you and your family all the very best and thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you, Bill. You've been listening to the Arab Digest podcast. My guest today was Lina El-Hathloul, whose sister is the jailed Saudi women's rights activist, Lujain El-Hathloul. If you want to find out more about the struggle for justice for Lujain, go to www.lujainelhathloul.org. We welcome your comments. If you're not already a member and you want to join the club, you can find out how by going to arabdigest.org. If you're a student... We have a new rate of £10 a month or £100 per year. And for academics and retirees, we're now offering a rate that amounts to a 70% discount. Check it out on ArabDigest.org. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm William Law, editor of the Arab Digest. Essential reading from independent sources.